For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Fantasy Podcast. With your hosts, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. Uh, very excited to kick this podcast off because, one, we got hard knocks this week, which means football is officially back in action. Just hearing the music of hard knocks while it's what, like something about that, even though it's a it's different version of hard knocks than we will ever see ever. Um, and I think the the biggest part of that is it's it's gotten to this point where it's really hard to kind of recreate what Hard Knocks is. Every year it feels very similar. This year, very different because a lot of different circumstances, seeing everything that's going into the COVID testing and all that's gone into just just getting us to camp, right? I think just getting us to that point. So feels good to have Hard Knocks back officially starting tomorrow on Friday. We have offenses can go against defenses, right, Jake? That's what you're excited about. So I think just football kind of finally gearing up, getting itself going. And the first round of testing um, came back and it, it was very, very small. The NFL was very happy. Things are in a good place, guys. And it it feels good. It feels good to kind of be kicking things off. So Jake, explain, I know it's not, uh, they're not going to be doing, they're not going to be in pads, but offenses versus defenses is just going to be good to, to kind of get back into action and have the players at least see more than what we've seen so far, which is basically just drills over and over again. Yeah, it was great. I go back to Lorenzo the other day and, and the great interview we had with him, just the, the enlightened view from the players and the CBA too, that he called it. Uh, they came in and had strength coaches for a week. Now, if you got a guy like Tom Brady, you're running your own practice, and most of the quarterbacks probably were. But they were throwing to air, then they were running, they were doing stuff. They were kind of out there together, but they weren't. Yesterday was the first day with coaches on the field, which is a huge deal, right? Now you got your hands on them. You had meetings and stuff, but it wasn't the same. Now it's going to feel like training camp. Offense, coaches are out there again today. You got helmets on. Pads go on Monday. But offense versus defense, ones on ones, goods on goods. You could start now, – now you're not just seeing some of these guys throw under the new receiver or a new quarterback. And you're seeing them go against a really good corner on their team, really good safety on their team, tight end, some of this stuff. It's going to look like football. There's nothing more exciting right now because this has been scary. It's been a long offseason, and it's finally going to look like camp, not a bunch of dudes out there working out at a high school somewhere. Yeah, and look, there's, there's still, still hurdles to clear now that everybody's back and going to make contact, but – this is the exciting time. Uh, so far, everything has been encouraging so far on the NFL side of things, and I'm really looking forward to it. And from you know a fantasy perspective, this is when you have to start to really dial in now. I know we've got a lot of people I've seen on social media, and understandably so, and I don't blame you if you've kind of been like, eh, this hasn't felt like a, you know, I could get really hyped for fantasy yet because of all the other stuff going on, and particularly with what's happening in college football this week. I understand why some have been kind of in a, in a down mood about it, but 
This is where you really have to start paying attention and really start not just listening to what coach is saying, but being able to parse what they're saying and understand what you, what the reporters are giving you uh, when it comes to injuries, when it comes to ways players are going to be used. I mean, this is the time of year where you find, you know, you don't have, we have less time than we normally do, but this is the time of year where sleepers emerge if you're paying attention or potential sleepers emerge if you're paying attention. Like for me, I'm really interested to see who's doing what in San Francisco as far as pass catchers. I want to see, is Jalen Hurd going to be used as a Debo Samuel type player? I know we haven't talked about him since we did our deep sleeper show, but that's a name I'm kind of looking for. How is he going to be used? I'm incredibly intrigued by what's going on in Las Vegas right now because if Henry Ruggs is going to start in the slot, that means Brian Edwards is going to be on the field a lot, and that's a rookie that we haven't talked much about. Uh, that also means that Hunter Renfro might not be that deep sleeper guy that you can rely on at the last spot on your bench for a bi-week fill-in type player. He's somebody you leave for the free agency. So there's a lot of these interesting things that uh, I know we use the term position battles more for fantasy baseball for those who play, but there's going to be some very interesting things because we have the least amount of information we've ever had going into a fantasy season in, re- in recent memory right now. And you're going to be forced to draft your team I mean, look, opening, um, what is it, the 13th now? So you've got 20, so four weeks from today is yep. opening night. I mean, and we don't know anything about anybody. Uh, that, that is incredibly interesting. So going back to what we said before, push your drafts back as far as possible. Try to do them, you know, if you can do them in September, please do them in September and do them maybe the week of or the weekend before that Thursday night opener for Houston and Kansas City. But uh, you're going to have to pay a lot of attention because it's going to be a lot of information. A lot of things are going to happen in a very, very short window here that we're just not used to. Labor Day week. Point. Sorry, Paige. I'm, I, I jump no, in go there. Ahead, Jake. Uh, you know, one cool thing about everybody being at home and COVID going on, a lot of these practices that used to have the open to the public and you could only go if they were in your town, a lot of them are going to be televised now. There are at least portions of them. Pay attention to who's out there. I'll give you the perfect example. Shady McCoy is kind of way down our list of guys to watch. But if you're watching practice and you see him out there and he's in the shotgun, look who else is out there with him. Is it Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronk and, and OJ Howard, Cameron Bray? What, what is the set? Is it two tight end set and he's in the shotgun? That's going to give you an indication early, right? Which, which personnel set he's out there with, who else he's out. And if you don't know what you're looking for, listen to us. Cause we're all going to be watching a lot of this, but it's going to yeah. be really cool to be able to go boom, boom, boom on the computer and watch a, a portion of practice from a bunch of these different teams. You're going to be able to pick up a ton of information that we've never really been able to do before because other than NFL Network or ESPN showing us a live look for 30 seconds while somebody's talking, you can sit there and watch it yourself. It's going to be really cool. I'm excited about that. I mean, it's, it's not the same, but in a unique way, we get a lot more insight than we've ever really had. Yeah, it's you watch who's playing with the ones, guys. If it's all the starters out there and you're looking and you see a running back that's getting a little bit more time and a little bit more reps with the ones, all of a sudden you start paying attention to that stuff. That's the stuff that traditionally beat writers, people that are down there all the time, are the only ones that have access to, really. Mm-hmm. That's why I always tell people when they're, oh, I'm, I'm really interested in this battle or that battle. I go, okay, well, follow the beat writer because the beat writer is going to be down there. They're going to be talking about it. That's a battle that matters for football and also matters for fantasy. So this year, different, because as you saw, if you watched Hard Knocks, the beat reporters are not there. They're watching from, they're doing a Zoom call. Um, it depends on each situation. You know, they've got some, some, some are allowing certain amount of people there. Some are making, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be different across the board. We had a really in-depth conversation with Sam Farmer about that and how this offseason was going to be just reliant on relationships, right? So follow guys like Sam, who you know are going to have really, really good info. And then 
listen to the podcast, watch NFL Network, watch ESPN. They're going to be, watch the team accounts. The team accounts are going to be putting out more, more content than ever before. Really. They, they already have, they have been. Um, And I don't want to sound like too much of a quote unquote Homer, but the Bucks have been putting out unbelievable content. So if you, if it's just a, it's a, it's, we're getting more access in a different way. I know that sounds weird to say, but we're, we're just getting it in a, we're getting it in a, in a we're almost getting beat writer way. access at this point. Yes. Right? I mean, yes. we're, if you're watching practice, you're getting more than they get. Cause they're only there for a yep. certain portion of it. Now they're going to show you all the practice, but to Jamie's point, if they're talking about rugs in the slot, or are they going to put him in motion? So he has a running start. Cause he's already so fast. You're going to be able to see that. If, if you're watching some of practice and you see him come in motion, he's not probably not setting up outside. They're doing something where they can get him on the run it's going to be really interesting to pay, stuff, pay attention to little stuff like that. You could pick up and go, because he's one of my deep sleepers. You're getting late in drafts. I, I think, you know, these, these leagues that I'm doing different stuff on is like, wow, why is he still there? The upside is huge. I don't know that's going to be there early, but the upside is, it, and if they're already talking about putting him in motion and putting him in the slot, they're looking for matchups. You're going to have to pick up a lot of guys like that as you get closer, especially being four weeks out. You spend some time looking at this for three weeks. It'll be, I think it'll pay off. Yeah, That'd be a lot pay- of fun. Yeah. Pay attention, pay attention, do your homework. If you're, if you're at home and you're working from home and you have the ability to put a second screen on, watch a little bit here or there, just, just dial in. And if you don't, that's what we're here for. We're here. We're going to be dialed in. We're going to be watching it. We're going to be talking about it and, and breaking it all down. And the one last key here is, is make sure what's being said matches what your eyes see. Uh, because yeah. it's also a time of year where everybody, everybody's in the best shape of their life or all the other stuff. But like the recent example is, and it's so easy, especially when a player says something, it's so easy for everybody to then just assume that that's what's going to happen. Like Josh Jacobs came out yesterday and said he wanted to catch 60 balls this year. I would be over the moon if Josh Jacobs catches 60 balls this year, and I will bet Paige's house that he's not. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's just, it, you know what I mean? So it, it's one of those things where uh, you have to kind of look, Josh Jacobs needs to catch the ball more. I want to see him more in those options, but I, them re-signing Jalen Richard, bringing in, um, I'm blanking on the rookie that they're going to run out of the backfield there. Um, I just fight on it, but like they have a few different yeah, options both. there uh, in Vegas. Uh, Bowden, yeah, who's yeah. going to get some stuff out of the backfield, and Bowden. But uh, that kind of indicates to me that they might not. So that's one of the ones where you're not going to know for sure based on practice. But if you see him in on more th- passing down third downs, not third and shorts, but third and ten situations that they're practicing, two minute drills if you start to see him on the field a little bit more, then I would feel a little bit more confident. But based on the way he was used last year, that's not what it's telling us. So you kind of kind of have to learn to parse what is either coach speak or player optimism versus what you're actually going to see on the field. Yeah, that, that comes from just knowing who's reporting some of this stuff and what coaches you're listening to, okay? Certain coaches you can listen and you know, okay, that's what's going on. There's other coaches that are going to throw you for a damn loop. So just 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 pay attention. And, and as I said, that's why the beat reporters and some of those things and then listening to podcasts, following along with Jamie as he does his rankings, all that stuff. Shoot us a question, man. This is the best yeah. time of the year. This is what Absolutely. the fantasy mailbag is for. That's what the, uh, all these opportunities to jump in and, and, and interact. Um, that's been one of the more fun parts of our premium slack over the last few days has been going back and forth with our, with our premium members that have questions and are really getting starting to dial in. And I, I get it. it. This has been a weird off season, but well, now that we have, now that we've seen, maybe it's just because I needed to see it, 
but I'm always where everybody is always so critical. And I know I texted this to the guys, but I did want to say this. I'm, it, it's so easy to be critical of the NFL and, and all the leagues and all the players and everything going on. Cause you, cause you're not seeing it. You don't know what's going on. You don't see it. If you didn't watch hard knocks, I, I really suggest watching it because it, it, it gives you a little bit of insight, right? On top of listening to our Lorenzo Alexander interview where he talks about in depth how much time and emphasis and work it took to get them to this point. But on Hard Knocks, you see just how detailed every little aspect of everything that they are doing just to get them to camp, just to get them there. There's been a lot of work. There's been a lot of, a lot of, I'm sure, arguments and back and forth and discussions and things to, and medical advice and all of these things just to get them to this point. So I know I'm, it's, I'm always easy to, to, to jump on and be critical when it's deserved, but I think there, there needs to be some praise when it, when it's deserved as well. And there's, there's been a lot of people that have gotten us to this point and it's, it was nice to see. That's, that's all I wanted to make sure I said that. Yeah, and two last points just to, to tie a bow on this. One, if you're listening to this before Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, please join uh, Paige and I for our fantasy mailbag. Uh, please ask us a question. We're going to answer them live. Uh, and then a bunch of the questions we don't get to, I circle back on on Sunday on the draftnetwork.com and answer. So, I mean, we, we pretty much got through the majority of the questions that were asked of us either on the live show or on the mailbag afterwards. So please join us on there throughout every, every Friday because we're going to want to answer those questions. And if you are a TDM Premium member, then just at one of us or both of us inside the P- Premium Slack channel. And if you're not a member, then join us so you can do that and have direct access to us to answer those questions, which, by the way, is going to include an exclusive Sunday morning start conversation that's only for premium members so that is a that's kind of a big deal but the last point i want to add was back to like what you could trust and what you can't trust players when they tell you how they feel don't <laughs> trust them when they give you a statistical projection yes that's all i want to say if, <laughs> listen when ben roethlisberger says i'm feeling healthier I, i'm happier i'm like that is valuable information that matters. Yeah. the minute they start pr- projecting you know i'm gonna get this many targets and this, that's when you know it's like okay they're, they're saying things but that's not reliable. Trust how they feel. Don't trust their projections. Yeah, a reminder that Josh Jacobs doesn't call the plays. Okay, so just just a, just a reminder that he's not the one responsible for him getting sixty catches this upcoming season. So, uh, let's talk about a big signing, though. Um, one of the one of the bigger free agents this off season that we've been paying attention to. We actually had a really um, in depth conversation about him going to a different NFC team, a team I didn't really see on the radar, but ends up putting this team. And I'm interested to see how much this moves the needle for you guys, for the Cowboys. But Everson Griffin signs with the Cowboys. It's a one-year, $6 million deal, uh, that coming from Ian Rappaport. Jake, we obviously talked about, you know, this Cowboys team underachieving last year. A lot of talent on this roster. Um, specifically, you and I have talked about for what seems like a couple of years now, Mike McCarthy being a great coach and, and after leaving, being underappreciated. I mean, just always won. Was always a winner in Green Bay. Um, and, and now being in Dallas, but how much better does this signing make Dallas? Like, do you view this team differently, uh, defensively? Because we know how much firepower they have on offense. It does. It does. I mean, my biggest thing was, are they going to have any injuries to the linebacking core? Cause they're all really good, but they're pretty thin there after those three superstars are, you know, if, if Andrash misses time, the other thing I was worried about was their pass rush. You got some, yeah, Bradley and I is a rookie. Demarcus Lawrence is a beast. He's on a franchise tag. They're trying to get a long-term deal done. 
They're bringing back Alden Smith, who looks phenomenal, but who knows what that's going to be. This adds another star. They bring in Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy. Those guys are a little old, but if they stay healthy, you got veterans that are run stoppers. Everson Griffin's really good against the run, but he's also another pass rusher. So if him and Demarcus Lawrence on the opposite sides of each other can stay healthy with those two run stoppers up the middle, yes, it makes them different. Because if their linebacking core is healthy, my God, you got guys taking up space with offensive linemen, and those guys are running free with that speed that they have. Yeah, it makes me look at them different. I mean, I think – I think it was a huge piece that they were missing, and it was a pretty good price tag for $6 million for one year for him. Yeah, absolutely it was. And look, their biggest weakness right now as a team is the secondary. And the biggest way you can mask that is by getting to the quarterback quickly. And that's what they're able to do now with Lawrence on one side. You have Griffin on the other. As Alden Smith, now you can rotate him in. Now you're not depending on him being the Alden Smith of old. Even if he's 60% of that player when you put him in there, that's going to be a great rotational player. You've got the run stoppers up the middle. Those linebackers, the linebacking core is great when healthy. There's injury risk throughout. Uh, it's just something we already know about. But that front seven now is, when everybody's healthy and on the field, is one of the best groupings in the entire league. And it's going to make up for a lot of the question marks we have in that secondary now. So, uh, look, I, I believe I went back and looked at my notes. I think I had Dallas with one more win than Philadelphia when we did our predictions. And I, I still think that. I don't, I'm not adding multiple wins or anything. But – as I will caution this, because we saw what happened last year, Dallas should, Dallas has the talent to win the NFC East. Now we need to see them execute it, but they had the talent last year. So they're putting themselves in a really good position this year, and they kind of have to, because they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do with Dak's contract, especially now that the cap, that was always a question mark, and then the things that have changed in the last six or six to eight months is though not even more in flux, but this is a team that can compete with anybody in the NFC right now but we've seen them have the talent to do that and falter. They can't do that this year. They've got a new regime. They, they've got some hungry players from after what happened last year. They need to be able to execute. And if they do, they have to – look, this, this team has the talent to be in the NFC Championship game. I, and I don't think anybody would argue that. But can they actually execute? I hope so, but I, I want to see it. They got to stay healthy enough to do it, to your point, Jamie. The only reason I'm not going to add any wins, I like them better. I think it's a huge piece. I think it was a great signing. The defense is – they're a little old, especially up front. And then when you have the injury risk at linebacker, I'm still cautious, but it makes them better for sure. It's it's a prove-it year for Dallas. Even with all the new – it's Dallas, right? It's the Cowboys. There's expectations each and every year. But coming off of last season, which was quite frankly a disaster down the stretch, when you talk about the, the crippled Philadelphia Eagles that are just – barely standing, barely putting a roster out there at the end, especially offensively, and had an atrocious defense. What they put uh, – the fact that they won the division last year was a miracle. And I, I – the Cowboys are really got a lot – Dak, a lot to prove this year, right? Has been very good, but it, go win the division. Go win a playoff game. Earn the, earn the money that you are telling everybody you deserve. Well – it's, it's going to be a very interesting year for the Dallas Cowboys, and I think this, this signing was one that is very, very good for them. But as Jake said, uh, they've, got, they've got a lot of older guys on that side of the ball, so let's see if they can stay healthy. Uh, the other big deal that happened, guys, is a deal that puts George Kittle as the highest-paid tight end in the NFL, well-deserved. Uh, Kittle is a monster 
in every, in every nice way that you can call somebody a monster, he is that. Uh, he's unbelievable from football and fantasy perspective, does so much for that football team. It's a five-year, $75 million contract extension. Jake, does this, is this a good thing that San Francisco now gets this? Because this, this started to become a thing, right? They started talking about it. It kind of, it kind of turned into maybe it's not going to be a good situation for a little while. There's a little back and forth. Now it's done. They can go into the season. He's, he's arguably the face of this franchise in a, in a way, right? Which is weird to say because he is a tight end, but he's so vocal and he's so fun and so brandable, quite frankly. And Jimmy G's kind of a quiet guy that Kittle's kind of the face of this franchise and, and has done a really good job. So this, this is really meaningful for the Niners. Kittle put up numbers with everybody long before Jimmy G was there. Yeah. This had to get done. He's not only the face of the franchise, one of the faces of the league. And since Tony Gonzalez and Gronk in his prime, he's the best player on this offense by far. Uh, he's number two in the NFL over the last three years and runs after their uh, yards after contact <laughs> ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's I third. Like, I know. That's, we talk about how good he is run after the catch. He's well-rounded. He's phenomenal. And yes, he's the highest paid tight end of all time. He's getting into quarterback money, depending on this broken down with signing bonuses and prorated stuff and all that kind of right now it's 15 million a year is what it looks like. It's not going to be that. Um, but look, they can afford it. Ertz got paid when he was up. Kelsey got paid when he was up. The, the market has changed. And frankly, Kittle, Kittle's better than both those guys. He's more important to his franchise than both those guys. Uh, and he deserves it. Absolutely. It had to get done. Had to get done. Absolutely. And he's younger than those guys, which leads into the, the conversation yes. we'll have in a second about everyone trying to project what Ertz and Kelsey's next contract looks like. But look, Kittle is, is the straw that stirs the drink in that offense. It is Kittle and it is the zone blocking scheme by Kyle Shane. And those are the two things that make that offense click. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. He is their top pass catching option. And, and you know, you look at the number we have now, which is 15 million per year. Like I, I imagine it's going to be more money up front, and then there's going to be some outs and all the other fun stuff that ended up happening with this. So we'll see what the actual details turn out to be. But you look at that number is not prohibitive for your top pass catching option on your team. And I think you have to look at it in that fashion. And by the way, Kittle does a lot more than catch passes. So uh, I don't have any issue with this at all. Actually, I thought it was a little low uh, than what I expected. Now, it depends on how it's structured, which again, I think there's going to be more money up front and it's going to be like a, and it's going to be a three or four year deal that they, you know, he tries to hit the market again, right around that age 30 season type of it thing. It feels but, team friendly, doesn't it? Like my, yeah, it first does. thought, my first thought was like, that's kind of a team friendly deal. And then I went, well, not when Austin Hooper's at like 10 and he's the highest paid. Yeah. And that's a lot more, but it's, it still felt initially like this is kind of a team friendly deal. I think, yeah, it's I, think I, we, I think it's because we value Kittle, or at least I do, so much higher than every other tight end. Like, the, just yeah. the fact that we're telling, like, respectfully to Travis Kelsey, who's unbelievable, not the face of the franchise, okay? And respectfully to Zach Ertz, not the face of the franchise. Like, George Kittle is the Niners. Like, that's just – that matters. It's just he's in a different class and, it, and is, deserves to be paid as such. And he's four years younger than Kelsey, which again, yes. it, it absolutely matters in this conversation in terms of longevity, where you are at your career, your peak and all that fun stuff. They're also not paying their quarterback, you know, on a 10 year deal. So, or whatever that is going to be, but you know, it's it, so it, to me, it makes perfect sense. Kyle Krabs wrote an article back at the end of May, where we tried to kind of project where he thought Kittle's, uh, Kittle's number would come in. And it was like a little bit over 16 and a half million AAV. So this is a little bit lower than that, which, and you can read that article if you go on the, the draft network, 
Twitter account uh, at the Draft Network. You can see how he broke that down. But to me, this is this makes a ton of sense. Uh, I pleasantly surprised by it. I imagine probably to get the lower AAV, there's going to be some more cash up front, which we're perfectly fine. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he has in store this year, especially early in the season, because there, he is going to have a lot of pressure on him, not because of any of the contract stuff, just because there aren't a lot of pass catching options that are proven right now in San Francisco and not a lot of time to get the unproven guys up to speed. So he's going to be, the offense is going to have to run through him even more than it already has early in the season until either Debo Sam, either and or Debo Samuel comes back or uh, Brandon A.U., Jalen Hurd, Kendrick Bourne, any of those, Dante Pettis, any of those guys can kind of step up and start to at least shoulder a little bit of the load. One other thing worth noting here is he plays every week, no matter what. Yeah. Played yeah. through a bad shoulder injury last year and the numbers didn't drop. Uh, you know, we've talked about how Kelsey's had some concussions. He's missed some games. Ertz has missed some games. They're all tough dudes, but like he is the consummate, consummate professional when it comes to playing through that kind of stuff. Right? And that, that's, that goes into contract negotiations and the damn sure goes into getting paid like the face of the franchise. I think we have to note that as well. Yep. The best ability is availability and he is always available. He is ready to go. He plays through. He's just, he is a tough ass dude and he is so fun to watch. So as a big proponent, this whole show of players getting their money, congrats, George Kittle. You are the best tight end in the NFL. You deserve to be paid as such. And I think it's another tip of the cap to John Lynch, man. He just continues to do things well as the GM of this team. Uh, continues to to make moves and and do things that make sense for his franchise. Uh, definitely want to give him kudos because he just he the the question marks when he came in as a GM with no experience were there and he silenced all of those uh, very quickly. So good for him and and good for the 49ers. Uh, another deal that got inked, guys, but this is on the coaching side, and we obviously talk about coaches and GMs more, I think, than probably any other podcast out there. And coming off of the fact we just did an interview with Lorenzo Alexander, and if you haven't listened to that one, please go back and listen to it, especially if you're a Bills fan. You will really enjoy him talking about Josh Allen and what he needs to do to be a, a, to take a step forward this year and what makes him a good leader and what he does well. And, and I think that was it was really enjoyable to hear. So if you haven't listened to that, please do go back. But the deal I'm talking about is Sean McDermott getting locked up for six years, I believe the deal is, um, which – for me, I've, I'm really enjoying, and Jake, you can talk about this, specifically being obviously the son of a, of a coach. I'm really enjoying seeing franchises, at least from the outside, locking some of these guys up longer term and, and seeing that this turntable of getting coaches in and out constantly and not building up consistency, it's not working. It's not working. It's, there's plenty of examples of that. You keep, you keep trying to hit the refresh button too quickly. You're getting new people in and out all the time. And when you got a guy like Sean McDermott, you want him to stay there. You want him to be there. You want him to build that team, that organization. Even a guy like Mike Zimmer, we talked about the Vikings going, you know what? Okay. Was he on the hot seat? But then they, they lock him in because what are, what other about you going to go find a better coach than Mike Zimmer? Probably not. You're going to go find a better coach than Sean McDermott? Probably not. They're not just sitting out there on trees available to be top tier head coaches. So talk about just what this means to see more of these deals happening. The Gruden one, right? It started it off. He had 10 and then Matt Rule gets seven and now Sean McDermott gets six years. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And I think it goes back to what we talked about with Zim is direction. 
They like the direction. Buffalo's been through a bunch of guys. They like the fact that they have a stable head coach. They love the direction that they're going in. He fits Buffalo. He's under the radar. He kind of fits what the franchise and the new ownership wants to do. But, yeah, you're exactly right. The other cool thing this is these guys are getting longer deals. Yeah. How Shanahan and Lynch got, what, five or six-year deals when they got the job to start with, and it wasn't like a – I think it was five with a six-year option. They got rolled into new deals. Zim got a nice extension. This is a six-year. If it's, if, if it's just a six-year deal and not a five with a six-year option, even that is longer than they've been getting. In college, you're starting to see seven years, ten years, and that's creeping its way into – you talk about Gruden, Matt Rule. A six-year deal here is a big deal. It's a big deal. This isn't like a three-year extension which is if you're going to do the extension term and coaching, that's kind of what it was. We'll, we'll, sometimes we'll tear it up and give you a new four-year deal with a fifth-year option, club option, that kind of thing. But this was worded as a six-year extension. That's huge. It's huge. It's absolutely awesome for the coaching world and damn well-deserved. They used yeah. to, they're not getting anybody better. And their direction is only climbing. He's done a phenomenal job since he's been there. I just, it's nice to see that consistency built up. I think you, you talked about, it's one of the things I was always so critical of the Bears. I can speak to as, as somebody who's been a fan of that team, when people would be critical of Jay Cutler, right? And they didn't understand that in seven years, he had six different offensive coordinators and why that matters and why that is so incredibly hard as a quarterback when you got somebody else coming in, trying to put their stamp of approval on it, trying to make their system work. And why that consistent, why not having consistency matters. Lorenzo talked about it when he was talking about Bruce Arians. He was talking about gets the whole band back together. He's got that glue. He's got the consistency. You know that, hey, this is a group that knows each other. They know each other's strengths. They know each other's weaknesses. That doesn't happen. There's not a lot of BAs in the league that just have 25 people on speed dial that they can call up to put in one place and all know each other, right? That, that's why this, this is so it's nice to see the consistency because I think it will be better for the NFL if people start to follow this trend, Jamie. Yes. And, and it's what separates for the most part elite franchises from everybody else. And it's not just at the head coaching position. You know, that, that's the one that gets the most attention, but there's consistency throughout staffs. Look at some of yes. the teams that have been perennially the best teams or among the best teams in the league over the last decade. You look at the Patriots, obviously you look at the consistency at head coach, uh, for the most part, an offensive coordinator. They've, they've cycled f a few defensive guys in, in different spots, but those guys have kind of remained the same, and they're all from that same philosophy. Look what's happened in Pittsburgh forever. Uh, look at what's happened in Baltimore with that staff. You start to look around the league, and you start to see the separators are usually – and, yes, there's some – if you have success, you'll continue to keep coaches. But a lot of that is because you continue to have – you keep your good coaches around, you start to have success. And that's something that – you know, it's always easy – to when their team is not doing well or not meeting expectations, it's always easy to go, well, we can't fix, you know, the quarterback. We can't fix these five positions on defense. So let's just fire the head coach and let's fire the staff and start over. And it's just something that it, it's, it's easy to do. It doesn't mean it's the right decision to do. It doesn't mean it's the right call. And we are seeing more and more that as much as, big of a positive as it is to keep consistency, it's an even bigger negative to continue to shift things around, especially with young quarterbacks and which they have up there in Buffalo. When you start to have multiple new systems and multiple new coaches, and you have to learn this, and you have to learn that, and you're changing this up, and everything you learned, you were just starting to kind of get a feel of, well, now you got to tear that up. We're going to do something else. It sets you back, and it ends up a lot of times it can be career killers. So I'm glad that at least a few of these front office organizations are starting to realize that the, that importance 
it's, you know, it's not a video game. It's not just like, Oh, we need to, we need it. This is not the George Steinbrenner Yankees. We need to just shift. We need to shift things up right now. So we're going to fire Billy Martin for the fifth time this season and bring in somebody else to send a message. It doesn't work like that. Uh, it's not that simple. So I'm glad to see it. And, and McDermott absolutely deserves it. He's, he's got a winning record so far in Buffalo, which is, by the way, is a hell of an accomplishment considering where that franchise has been in recent years and considering that the competition at the top of that division that existed before this season. Uh, he's got a young ascending quarterback. That team's really exciting to watch. And we talked a lot about it with Lorenzo Alexander earlier this week, but they've got some pieces. That, that's a team that's going to be competitive this year. I don't think they're among the elite in the AFC, but they're in that next tier where I think that this is a team that, finally this year should if healthy at least get a playoff win under their belt especially if they get a home game a couple things to note there jamie one is how many owners are not going to say okay we're going to fire the head coach but we're keeping the defensive or offensive coordinator and make the new guy work with them and they don't know him they might have had a drink one time at the combine or the senior bowl 15 years ago and now they got to work together every day and that guy that's been there and those players go up i'm a defense player and they kept the defense coordinator i'm gonna go talk to him i'm not going to the other guy there's not one chief it brings in all of his guys. To Paige's point, my dad had to call 50 guys that he would have loved to hire and tell him he can't. Yeah. And the, the part of that that really matters and why New England and Pittsburgh, some of these teams have been so good, is when they lose a coordinator, they've already got the next guy primed, prepped, ready to take over the exact same system with the same personnel, with the same vision of the same head coach, and you don't really miss a beat. I.e. Todd Bowles gets the Jets job. James Betcher steps in. In Arizona, they still are top three against the run. They still blitz like crazy. They still get a ton of turnovers. They're still a really good defense because Betch was being groomed to be that next guy if and when Todd left. They've got three or four in Tampa right now all the way down the line with Byron Leftwich ready to be a head coach. There's another guy to step in. If, if Bolsey leaves, Larry Foote's now ready to step in and be a coordinator. I think being a head coach and having that consistency in the, from ownership being allowed to is how you get the next guy ready to take your job. If you're going in – with these split stabs already, how can you ever do that? Or some of these guys that are so young, they don't have a hundred guys they can call that want to come work for them. Or they won't uh, delegate. Or they won't delegate that, any that of the tasks too. where, you know, they're, and again, there's different coaches doing different things, but there are some that want, and not necessarily an ego thing. It's just that they, you know, who are you going to trust more than to get it done yourself? But and I give Cliff Kingsbury a ton of credit for that. And I have on the show, like listening yeah. to a guy like Sean Coogler, one of the best yeah. offensive line coaches in the business has been around a long time. His, his offensive philosophy from what he did in college and how it translates to the NFL, he didn't have the ego to sit in that room and say, we're going to do it my way. He listened to that veteran coach, and they, they got better because of it. I, I, I give Cliff a ton of credit for that because he's one of these young guys that Steve Kime had to help build a staff, right? They got their guy, and then they had to put a staff around him. All the guys love working for him because he puts that ego aside, and he listens to him, and they hired a really good veteran staff. It's, it's incredibly hard to check your ego at the door. That's just, it is, in that it's league? hard. In that league, <laughs> it is wow. very hard. It is very hard to have that happen. And that is why things like even what Sean McVay had early on, where he's got two veteran guys on defense and on special teams that are running the show. That's why we've discussed that and why that matters so much, because now that's not there. So that changes the entire dynamic of that football team. And if you don't know what that means, I know I said watch Hard Knocks like seven times, but watch it because he's going to start having to do stuff that you didn't see him doing before because he didn't have to do it. It's why that matters. It's why the consistency matters. It's why guys like Bruce are kind of the exception and not the rule because it's, it's very, and Cliff, quite frankly, why we have given him credit because it's hard to say, 
hey, I'm going to let my guys do their thing. And I'm going to know as a good leader, quite frankly, what I'm really good at and what I don't know. And I'm going to lean on the people that do know that, or I'm going to be open to hearing new things. You know, the old saying, try and teach an old dog new tricks. It's hard to get guys who have done something the same way in a different way. It's hard to be in those rooms, to be open-minded to it, to do it. And the best guys are those guys. They listen, they're interested. They want, they want to hear how to make the, make the team better and they get it and they buy in. But that's, there's not 32 of those guys. I've talked to a no. lot of these guys. There's not 32 of those guys. It might not even be 10 of those guys. It's, it's, it's really hard. Maybe to be the that best person. example page is what Bill Cower left in Pittsburgh, right? Yes. Mike Tomlin steps in. And he, by the way, he loses Ken Wisenhunt and Russ Grimm. Ken gets the Arizona job. But you still have my dad, his receiver coach, ready to step in to be the coordinator. At that point, he'd done it in Cleveland for three years very successfully. You got Dick LeBeau on the defensive side. You bring in your philosophy of special teams, and you just drive the ship. Be the motivator and listen to all those guys. And Mike did a phenomenal job. They won a Super Bowl that way. Went to another one. I think that's maybe one of the best examples of what Bill Cowher built. And going back to the staff I grew up around with Marty Schottenheimer. I mean, listen to these names on this. Mm -hmm. Herman Edwards was a scout. Tony Dungy's on the defense. Bill Cowher's on the defense. Those, every one of those guys is ready to ascend. I mean, that's where Bill came from to build that staff in Pittsburgh and have that kind of that kind of continuity coming off of winning a Super Bowl. And then Mike gets the job and keeps that going. And a lot of that consistency is still there in the 13 years Mike, Mike's been there. And on that note, one other like side note to look for it. One of the other storylines I'm looking forward to in the season is looking at Tennessee's defense with Dean Pease retiring. They haven't named a replacement. And I don't know if they're going to. I think obviously Vable's going to be very hands-on on that side of the ball. And that's obviously his background. But seeing how, what, that, what effect that has on the team as, as Rabel has to take over a different spot from a veteran defensive coach that really put Tennessee in a good spot now. There wasn't a clear line of succession, a succession plan. That's as evidenced by the fact they haven't named anybody for that role. Uh, I don't think they're trying to keep it a secret either. I just don't think there's anybody that Rabel trusts at this point to be in that spot. So that's another kind of interesting thing to see as you look at as guys retire, as guys take you know, go up either to head coaching jobs in the NFL or head coaching jobs in college. I mean, it's really interesting to see that, like you talk about that lineage and who's next in line. It's, it goes back to the philosophy I, I always bring up on the show and we joke about, but even though it's football, it's still real life business. It's the yep. same deal. It's a CEO, it's managers that you trust in different departments. Do you have somebody that's next in line? And you might be a great CEO that's really, that is transcendent in one area of your company's business, but you're probably not great in every area of your company's business. And who do you trust to delegate those activities to? When do you know when to take over? And when something's not going right to say, I, I got to step in now and I, now I'm calling plays or now I'm doing this because this isn't working. It, it's the same philosophy. It's just football related. Uh, so it's always incredibly intriguing, especially from the outside kind of looking in of these are the things that just don't get talked about a lot. It's very easy to look at the, 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 the box score for, you know, quarterback play or defensive turnovers or whatever it is. And these are these other elements of the game that aren't, you don't show them in your typical box score. They're not quantified by PFF or anything like that, that have major factors into how these things go. And I always go back to say it, it's as much as, again, I know I'm the, I'm the, just the numbers guy on the show as Paige called me, but um, as I just sit on my, as I just sit on Sundays with my back to the TV with my calculator, listening to hear what happens. But um <laughs> But there's still, you have to understand there are so many things that either A, you can't, we can't quantify or B, we just don't know because we're not in those buildings and we don't know how to, how to 
relate to what they are. And I think that, that's always the most intriguing part of the, uh, the unknown elements to why teams succeed and why teams fail. Well, I think unknown to between, us at least. Yeah. Unknown to us for sure. At least I think between, between Jake's lineage and all the different coaching staffs he's been around and just, just listen, right. I think it goes back to just like listening and hearing and trying to pay attention to what works and what doesn't you can pick up on the things and the tendencies of what works. It's just the ego part is the biggest part of this. Cause this, this comes from ownership all the way down the, the teams and the franchises that have the toughest time are the teams in the franchise that have owners that have a really, really tough time letting go and, and learning and understanding that you may be a really smart businessman, but that does not, or, or woman, but that does not make you a really, really good football coach or a really, really good GM. And that is the toughest thing for people to, to do because that involves you delegating the word Jamie used earlier delegating to people that are experts at their craft and truly understanding that they are in charge and stepping back. And if there's a time where you need to step in, sure. But usually as an owner of a team, if you got a really good head coach and really GM, you shouldn't be stepping in. There's not, there's not, there's not much you should be stepping in to handle. And I know that that's, that's a tough thing. I've seen plenty of it in, in action, watching it firsthand, whether it's at the combine or over here in conversations, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic that exists in sports. Um, but I'm excited. I, I love these conversations because truly I know I don't want to seem like we're touting the podcast too much, but these conversations don't happen in, in media a, a lot. They don't, not a lot of people talk about head coaches and schemes and, and GMs and consistency and deals like this and why they matter. Because as much as the George Kittle deal matters, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, Sean McDermott deal matters a whole hell of a lot for you, your franchise, that division as a whole, what that looks like, Josh Allen as an individual player. Um, there's so many people that are impacted by those decisions and it kind of gets glossed over. So excited that we were able to, to have that and congrats to Sean McDermott, a guy that uh, doesn't get a lot of credit or at least in, in my book, doesn't get as much credit as he deserves, has done a really, really good job with Buffalo and a team that spent a lot of time on the outside, not making the postseason that got back there. So exciting for them and their future. Final thoughts here today, Jake, before we get into the Willie Cologne interview, that was, that was fantastic. We, we did that with him. Uh, we recorded that yesterday. He was funny as hell, man. He's got, <laughs> he's got a couple of moments we had to bleep out because he's, he's like, can I swear on this podcast? I was like, and Jake, that was a, a great moment uh, knowing that if Jake's on the, if anybody with the last name Arians is on the show, you better believe that we're allowing cursing. But uh, that, be sure to listen to that interview. But Jake, your final thoughts on today's pod. Yeah, my boy Willie was fire as always. He gets fired <laughs> up, does a phenomenal job on his show. I'm going to keep it in coaching. We've lost some greats. Um, yeah. It's okay, man. Yeah. It's uh, I told you guys a story about Paul Davis, was an old coach, my dad, uh, at his funeral. And one of my favorite moments was watching my dad talk to Pat Dye and Johnny Majors, and listening to like those stories. We lost those guys back to back, not too long ago, and Howard Mudd. In the last couple days, I'm sure you saw a bunch of my Twitter yesterday. And I really thought I'd keep it together talking about it, but the dude was special. One of the best offensive line coaches in the history of the NFL. Great player. He was on that Kansas City uh, staff when my first job was uh, with Joe Pendry as offensive coordinator. Taught my dad how to be 
transition from a college coach to a professional coach and how that's done properly all the way through being with Peyton Manning and Tom Moore all those years in Indianapolis. And you saw the love. Reggie Wayne had a great tweet, um, but just a phenomenal human being uh, passed away. So, Yeah. Um, I, it, you saw Bruce's tweet about Howard Mudd and – and there's this photo that he put up with him and with, with Howard and, and Peyton and the joy on his face, um, you know, the just smile was awesome. Smile was awesome. Uh, so, and I know a year ago uh, lost, uh, you know, coach Drake, who was unbelievable. There's just, it's a, a lot of guys. Um, Thank you. That yeah, been, sure yeah, that just, yeah a, a year ago. And, and I know it's uh to bring him up, I know a lot of a lot of players, man, uh, that that loved Coach Drake. So, it's uh, it's okay to get emotional, man. Uh, was happy to see it's this. Uh, it's been a shitty couple months, man. So it's not it's 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 okay to kind of let it out and and respect somebody who very clearly deserved it. We talk um, about it all the time how important it is. But these guys are huge parts of my life. I mean, how I yeah. grew up. These are all. That's why I say my dad's staff is like twenty five uncles. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm older than some of them now, so they're more like cousins. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's family, and I know what goes into how hard they work, what goes into the wins. But like a guy like Howard Mudd, just for an eighth grade kid, he, he's always stood out. All the coaches I've been around, he was just a super special guy. Coach Drake, an amazing guy too. Thank you so much for for throwing that out there because um, he was just spectacular. But it, it matters. I mean, these guys yeah. are family. Yep, it's. <laughs> It's it's so unique, and I know you can call me whatever you want, Homer, the whatever it is. I've been around a lot of coaches. I've been around a lot of people. What Bruce has with the connections he has with his players, with how former coaches talk about him, um, there's a reason I call him Pops. Like it's he is Pops. Like he's he's family, and he makes you feel that way. And if you know any coaches on his staff, they make you feel that way. And it's football is family. It's not a cliche that you see on a, on a hashtag. It's a, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's what he means. Um, Anthony Lynn talking about the big three football, faith and family. I thought that really resonated that that's how that, that is football is life to so many people. It's, and I know that it's gets lost and it's, it's a sport and it's this and it's that. And it's like, no, listen to Sean McVay talk about what football means to him and what, 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 how he, his fiance in Hard Knocks is talking about. She can tell, like, he needs this. Like, it, this, is, this is his lifeline. Like, this is who he is as a human being. It's not just a sport. I'm not trying to be on a soapbox about football. I know we all love the sport, but it's, it's so much more than that for so many people. Um, and I think this conversation about the people that have impacted Jake's life the people that I know have impacted my life, it's important to reflect on them and realize that it's so much more than just a football coach for a lot of, for a lot of players. These are the men that changed who they were or who they are in, in the most influential ways. Um, and I think that's the best way to say it. So sorry, Jamie, I know we just turned it into like a no, very I mean, emotional end to the podcast, but uh, uh, your final thoughts on today's pod. You no, know, it, it's, it's all worth noting. It's on two fronts. One is the unsung heroes for, you know, the success you see on Sundays and understanding that it's very much the tip of the iceberg theory. Uh, you see what happens on Sundays and you don't see everything ha else that happens. The other 350 something non Sundays a year uh, that go into that. And, you know, if you've ever, you know, if you're a listener out there, has ever been a part of, let's say a startup company where you had a significant role and you're putting in 
80, 90, 100 hours a week trying to get something off the ground and knowing that how that becomes your life and the people that you work with, your coworkers, your managers, your, you know, your subordinates, depending on where you are in the food chain, they all become part of who you are. Now, imagine doing that from the time, if you're a player, and hopefully, and if everything goes right, from the time you're 21 or 22 years old to the time you're 34, 35, 36 years old. Uh, and if you're a coach, maybe from the time, you know, working your way up from your early 30s to your 70s or 80s. Uh, I mean, it is a, it is your life. It is what it, it does shape who you are as a person. It does shape uh, times you're around those coaches and those players a lot more than you're around your, your blood family. Uh, so it absolutely plays a, a, a tremendous factor, but uh, I, there's no way I could follow up on, on that conversation. So I will leave it at that. Yeah, it was a, a good, a good time to reflect on a lot of good men, right? A lot of, a lot of great men who had a lot of, a lot of big impact on a lot of people's lives. Um, so important, important moment to recognize Howard Mudd and, and, and Daryl Drake, who we lost just a year, a, a, over a year ago and how, uh, how important they were. So I know that uh, the next upcoming interview will be a little bit more lighthearted. So I'll bring you right back up. Um, but I'm quite sure that if you talk to Willie, he would tell you how important guys like Howard Mudd are because, uh, you know, being a line coach and, and, and knowing how, how much people meant to him and how he talks about even Bruce in his interview, I'm quite sure he would really have enjoyed this part. So enjoy that interview. Uh, and, and thanks for listening to the pod. All right, guys, another great interview. Very excited to have this guest, uh, former NFL offensive lineman, current Barstool Sports radio host, Super Bowl champion. Important to mention that Jake made sure that I said that when I was introing him. That is Willie Colon. Willie, thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you for basking us in your Super Bowl glow because it, it just it lasts forever, I think. Hey, man, that was hard work. You got to, you know, <laughs> thanks to Jake's dad, man, we would have never got one and a host of others. So uh, he's right. You got to put some respect on the name. So I appreciate it. Yeah, he, he made sure as I was going through the intros, he's like, hey, you better bring up Super Bowl champ. I was like, all right, I got you, man. I got to make sure I bring it up. Yeah, you, you win one. You're a champion for life. That's for sure. That's for sure. Well, it's, it's been a big day for you today. Uh, you guys announced uh, at Barstool Sports that you were bringing on primetime. You were bringing on Deion Sanders to the crew. So talk about that because that is a huge announcement for your company and really for Dion to be joining a, a, a company and taking on a new role with you guys. Yeah, I, I got the call from our CEO, Erica Nardini, last night um, about the, the move, uh, so to speak. Um, I was shocked like everybody else. You know, when you talk about Deion Sanders, I mean, you, there isn't a more iconic person, player, or being on earth than Deion Sanders, right? So for him to land up at Barstool, you talk about, who, talk about somebody who's with the NFL Network for 14 years, pretty much grew NFL Network. Uh, you can't watch Super Bowl without seeing Prime. Everybody knows about his accolades, about baseball, football. Uh, but as far as off the field, uh, the presence and, and who he is is huge. And so we had him on my morning show this morning, pretty much talking about uh, the transition. And he alluded the move to, he wanted to really open up, expand his brand pretty much, you know, every time he was at a desk sitting alongside, you know, Steve Mariucci or uh, Michael Irvin, you know, he only had 45 seconds to get his point out and then it's moving on, you know, but now with Barstool because of the platform and, and, and pretty much the canvas we give him, to paint his Picasso, he can be prime and you can get all of prime. And, and so the question, there's been a million questions running around. You know, we know Dion. I grew up watching, I know Jake and probably you guys too, but I, I remember prime 
early prime, his days as a Falcon, you know, and even with the Cowboys and Niners, Ravens and, and Redskins. And I know he retired with, uh, as a Raven, but prime has always been an electric figure. Uh, and we know about his off the field antics and who he was and what he represented. But now prime has a different note. You know, he speaks differently. Now he's talking about fatherhood and he's talking about, you know, how he, he wants to mentor and be a, a vehicle and a vessel for a lot of young men uh, who are growing up in a sport and, and trying to become um, the next prime. And he's also alluded to, you know, his, his own spirituality and he's very faith driven. So with all that, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out what prime are we going to get? You know, are we going to get the prime that, you know, took a Lamborghini, it drove a Lamborghini behind the, the, the team bus when he's at the Super Bowl? Or are we going to get the prime who, by all accounts, he has some of the best draft day pitchers that will forever grace the internet? Or are we going to get the prime, or are we going to get Joe Osteen prime, right? Who's talking about <laughs> being the best dad you could be in Proverbs and throwing out scripture and, and, and pretty much promoting positivity and love. So, I think uh, a lot of people are interested to see uh, which Deion Sanders are we going to get. Are we going to get the uncut version or are we going to get the, you know, the Netflix and chill version? We'll see. I hope we get them all, dude. I mean, that's the best yeah. part about him being on Barstool. And I liked the interview this morning. He kind of said that. He was mm -hmm. like, nothing holding me back. I can do whatever. I can take whatever turn I want. I can give you whatever I want to go with it and elaborate and make my point. I can't wait. I mean, that's, I hope we get them all. I hope we get them all in one show. Let's transition a little bit to your old stomping grounds, AFC North, right? Yeah. Interesting division right now. I'm on record. Now, I'm on record as their record saying different. My hot take was the Ravens don't make the playoffs. We had to do three, hot three, three, three hot takes on the show last week. Yeah. I went out there a little bit. That was my, like, my top oh, I, level. I'm known for it. People think I'm lunatic, so I, I, I get it. <laughs> I, can, I can make the argument, right? Do I really think that's going to happen? No, but a couple things could, and they really could. My team to bounce back is I think the Steelers are really good. Mm -hmm. They go eight and eight last year. That, that coaching staff's had continuity for a long time. Sure. I mean, Randy Fickner was there back in your day, early days, mm -hmm. stayed through. The offense hadn't changed. The biggest reason is our guy. Mm -hmm. Seven's back. Big Ben's in better shape. The arm feels I, I Talk about, and I'm assuming you agree with me, but if you don't, please elaborate that too. But the AFC North is it. Cleveland's really good. But I'm just, I'm big on what the Steelers did last year, that continuity of the coaching staff. And they're getting back a first ballot Hall of Famer that everybody forgets is in the league all of a sudden. It gets crazy to me. Well, I think they want to. I think they want to put. Um, I think a lot of people want to end. They want to end Ben Roethlisberger's chapter before Ben Roethlisberger is ready to end his chapter. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's motivating him. I think he's he's of the mindset nobody's going to cancel Ben Roethlisberger, right? He's he survived and done enough in his career to be at this point. Um, and he's still regarded, and if you don't regard him as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, then you just don't know football. Let's just, let's just chalk that up. On the flip side, of that, I do agree with you. Their defense, um, I think, is extremely underrated. That defense can flat out get after it. You talk about T.J. Watt, Cam Haywood, to it. Uh, you talk about that secondary who was very young at one point, now has grown. And I think the biggest uh, addition to that is Mickey Fitzpatrick. I think the fact that, you know, he has come on record and saying, listen, when I was – when I was, in, you know, going through my draft process, the first time I talked to uh, Mike Tomlin, I wanted to be a Steeler. Well, that didn't happen. He was a buck. But somehow God found him to be a Steeler, and here he is. He's thriving and riding for the black and gold. So I think that defense is going to be the spearhead for that, uh, for that team, like it always has been. You know, right? Let's be honest. You, don't, you can't talk about the Steelers without talking about the defense. I think they're starting to get back into true form. But I think one thing that's going to happen for this team that hasn't happened in a long time is – they're, they're going to get to a point, I think they're going to enter a season where 
they're not only going to be motivated, but I think they're going to be overlooked. And I think sometimes, even my days when I was a Steelers, sometimes when we were playing our best ball was when we were overlooked. Um, there's you have for everybody saying that the Baltimore Ravens win with us, win will uh, they will win the Super Bowl, and and you got Lamar Jackson being MVP and that defense on and on. Give them their just due. Baltimore's been playing at a high level. But one thing I know about being a Steeler and how that organization is built, when you turn your back, that's when we bite you hardest in the ass. So anybody that's a Raven or anybody that's part of the AFC North fan base, no, one thing you can't do is turn your back on the Steelers. If you don't keep your eyes on us, if you don't respect us when we put our feet in cleats and we, and we hit the field, it will be a long day for you. It's going to be a bruising day for you. And I think Mike Tomlin, Ben Rosberger, Cam Hayward, and those guys, they want to get back to, they want to, get back to Tampa. Because the last time we was in Tampa, you know what we did? We ho we hoisted the Lombardi. And so that's the goal. So a couple things to that, man. Like, first of all, I tell the story all the time. Like, you were there when you lost the Super Bowl as well. Yeah. And I, I tell us, like, I, everybody else I know in the coaching community, you, you lose the Super Bowl, you get AFC championship rings. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, they gave him a cheap-ass watch. Yes. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't the goal. AFC champs was not the goal. Yeah. Uh, which one of the – does this team remind you more of eight or ten? I don't think this defense is quite that 2008 team that you guys had. Reminds no, I, me more of that 10 team, but I think they could be a little bit more explosive. Both of those went to the Super Bowl, by the way. Man, I had this, I had this fight with some troll on Twitter or Instagram. I'm always fighting with somebody. Uh, and he, he, I, tried to, I, I tried to explain to him, even when we lost to Green Bay, been through three picks that game. And we still had a chance to win, right? should have won. Yeah. There was a fumble, three picks, and we still should have won. So imagine if we take one of those picks away. We we definitely got seven coming back to Pittsburgh, right? So my point to all that, that year that we went and we, we ended up beating the Jets in the, in the AFC Championship that year, that team was built for the grind. That team was built for the long haul, like the long path to get to the Super Bowl. This team, I don't know if they're built that way. What I do know is that they're hungry and they're willing to take the long journey there. You get what I'm saying? So, yeah, for sure. If, 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 if it comes down to what Steeler team is going to show up, I don't think we can crown them or kind of mark them to be anyone of the past. But I think this team has been through enough hardships, through enough uh, bullshit, so to speak. I'm sorry if I can, can't curse on here. How about uh, it? You, good. you know, yeah. if I'm on this show, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think this team has been through enough right now where I think they're like, enough is enough. Either we're going to get it or we're not. Because they know seven's clock is ticking. They know that, you know, they just lost Ramon Forrester, a huge piece of that offense line. Pouncey and DeCastro in their 30s. You know, they, they're – I like the fact that they got Eric Ebron. I like that the fact that he got James Conner's going to come back hungry. So they brought pieces there to kind of be efficient. But I think right now this team has to prove to themselves that right now is either win or bust. And I, that's always the mindset, but you got to prove it to yourself. You can say it because what happens, we know the Steelers are going to end up in the playoffs, just what we do. But – it's once you get there, how hungry are you to finish the, the, the match? How hungry are you to go, go all the way? And it comes with discipline, but they got to earn that discipline. They got to build that through the season. So is, is part of that motivation um, come from the fact, like even last year watching that Browns off season where they're getting all of this publicity and there's all of this Baker's on the cover of this and Odell's doing the cover of that. And it's really wasn't warranted, right? They're getting all this publicity. They're getting all this coverage and then they flop last year. Now, does that add to this? Because there was this conversation last year, almost it started and then it, it's continued on where Pittsburgh's flying under the radar. You're hearing a lot about the Ravens. You're also hearing a lot about Baker and everybody else. So does that add to that motivation for Pittsburgh to just kind of stay there and, and show up and be like, listen, it's still our division until Ben's gone. 
No, I think, you know, since, you know, my days of me being a Steeler, our motivation was if, if, if we ain't kicking ass, then who is? You know, if you're not talking about us and we're not the one, if we're not the bullies on the block, then point them out, we go kick their ass, right? That's always been, that's always been our mentality, offense, special teams. So I think, I think Pittsburgh has to get to the mindset, if we're not the bully, the bully, then point them out. And that's the mindset of, it doesn't matter if Cleveland's talked about it. It doesn't even matter if Baltimore's talked about it. It doesn't even matter if the Niners or Seattle's talking about it. If you call them the bullies, then put them in the ring with us and we'll prove ourselves to you. And I think that's always been the Steeler brand of football. One thing I always loved about Mike Tomlin was we can have that bully mentality, but we can't beat ourselves. And there was a time in Jake test where we, we were clicking at a very high level. But when it came to the Patriots, they were clicking at a high level, but they weren't beating themselves. They were more disciplined outfit, and they did the little things better than we did. To be get to the Super Bowl, yeah, you need a little uh, a little luck on your side, and I necessarily don't believe in luck. But you got to be a disciplined outfit. You can't have the penalties, and this is a guy who had a lot of penalties. You can't you can't beat yourself from a, from a mental standpoint. You got to be right on par, and you got to be focused. You can beat a bully, but you go you also have to be a, a bully with a brain. And if the if the Steelers can get to that point, I think they're gonna they're gonna go far. And you, and you mentioned discipline, and is is that going to be the biggest maybe factor this season? Because this is going to be one of the strangest football seasons that we've ever yeah. seen, given all the stuff that's going on in the world right now. We kind of hear the cliche that the most disciplined team is going to be the one that's hosting or hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Do you believe that, or how much of that is going to be a factor versus just overall talent? I would I would be lying if I said defense don't win championships, especially the one I won. Um, it's gonna come. It's gonna come down to staying healthy, right? You gotta understand. COVID is running rampant all over the country. If, if for whatever reason, if COVID penetrates that locker room, and let's say a TJ Watt and, and a Cam Haywood and a Minka, God forbid, pops up on it, that that's a huge blow to that team. You know what I mean? So, one, we're talking about something outside the lines of football that they necessarily can't control. But what they can control is staying healthy, being disciplined. Uh, remaining COVID-free, trusting the process, and absolutely playing their brand of football. Um, and I think they're hungry. I, watching them last year, you, you saw them turn it on late. Um, can they take that momentum and push forward? And I think, and I'm a, and I'm gonna say this: I think the the teams that are, are more veteran heavy will go further. I think the teams who are still rebuilding, trying to figure themselves out, are going to crash fast because in the mix of COVID and trying to figure out what's the new routine or what's the new norm for a ball club, that's an extra stress level for these guys, right? The, team, the guy that's been there, done that, who knows how to wake up 5 o'clock in the morning, be on time at 6, eat lunch, uh, have breakfast by 7, be on time for meetings, who, that's their day-to-day. They know how to push through that. They're going to they're, they're be productive on the field. And I think it also comes down to, as far as discipline, who's in shape, right? A lot of these guys have been sitting at home – you know, wondering how this is going to work, you know, and, and while they're wondering, they're slapping down peanut M&Ms, right? And then, <laughs> and, and while they're wondering what's next, they're, they're popping brewskis on boats. So a lot of these guys, as much as they say, you know, they, they wish they want to be out there and they want preseason, they want training camp. A lot of these guys are in camp right now, getting in shape for the season. Um, so they're kind of sitting back like, man, I needed this month to get away from the family and get away from mama's cooking and get from the South because all that fried chicken, and catfish and cornbread is tearing my ass up. So with all that said, man, COVID is, is one of these things right now. If the team that can is veteran heavy, disciplined, 
understands the routine, doesn't use it as a distraction, and focused on getting the job done is going to be the team that's going to go far. There's going to be a lot of teams who are loaded but necessarily don't can't handle the process and necessarily don't understand how to push through when injuries are involved, when your big-time guys go down, who's the, the next man up mentality, how much is on that guy to deliver no matter what. The teams that can handle that, you're going to see them come playoff time, if there's a playoff time. So let's change yeah. again. So same thing. Sorry, James. Um, we talk about the Rams went on that run, right? Mm-hmm. And people don't talk about 31 of 32 games. They had all five starters on the offensive line. Yeah. Jared, Jared Goff was legit. Yeah. I always mention every offensive line. You need continuity. You got guys playing together. You got to have a dog in all the great sense that that, if you, you, yes. you know ball, you know what I mean by you were, they were that guy. You right. were pouncy. Like, talk about, one, the continuity and the cohesiveness of an offensive line, how important that is. But two, the mentality of having one or two dogs up there that just want to be the bully on the block and how you might have a right tackle or somebody that might mm-hmm. just be a little more athletic but needs that, that guy ass. in his ear. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I, a lot of people, still the nation is great. They've been very great to me and, and respectful to me. Um, they always consider me the enforcer. And part of, you know, me being an enforcer was just having that, like, you're not going to come in here. You know, one, I got a man that's worth $100 million standing behind mm-hmm. me, so I don't want to lose my job. <laughs> Two, on the flip side of that, you know, I don't give a f- It's just my makeup. Like, if we, we can take it to the field or the parking lot, but you will respect me and the brand I'm supporting, which was at the time the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that mentality was infectious because when you got one guy that's willing to pretty much go across the line and take it there, that gives other guys the free will and the mindset. Like, man, if this, if this SOB is crazy enough to, to go stand by the buses and, and wait to fight with somebody from the opposite team, that showed you his commitment into not only how much he cares about the game, but also everybody in that locker room and the helmet he's putting on his head. So it's just that mindset, like, you know, I'm never going to go into the Aaron household and talk bad about your brothers. Why? Because I know, shit, there's going to ask what been coming with it, right? And so that's why, that's why, that's how I always pre- uh, treated my teammates. You're not going to talk about me. You're not going to do anything to my teammates while on my watch because there's so much time and effort and, 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 and everything that goes into this game. You understand, Pittsburgh, man, there was times when, and shit, Jake, you can talk about this. I, you know, I would have to be in, in the training room just to get warmed up for the day by 6.45. I'm waking up at 5.15 with a hot pot of water, dumping it on my door handle so I can be able to open it because my doors were frozen from the night before, right? Like, and by, I'm saying that with, a, with, a, with my knees iced up and my back sore. You know, it's week 10, you know, like, and we're on the cup of the bug. We don't know if we're going to make it or not. I could make it easy. I could I could easily call uh, Norway up and be like, man, I'm not going to make it in today. I could have said a million different things, but my commitment is to my team. And, and when you sign up to give all of yourself, and that's what it requires. It doesn't matter what your lifestyle is. It doesn't require whatever whatever is going on in your personal life has nothing to do with the business of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You sign a contract, you commit to a job, and you're supposed to exhaust and expense everything you have into getting that job done. And that was my mindset. So. I came in with to it like, listen, I'd rather, I'd rather bite those who are in front of me than look around trying to figure out who needs to be bitten. You know what I mean? Print, <laughs> yeah. That's that was just my mindset. I'm gonna bite anything in front of me, and I'm not. What it is, what it is. When you well, look I now up, have the audio definition page. Yeah. When, you, when I describe dog from now on, be like, go back and listen to minutes 36 through 40 from Willie <laughs> describing oh. what a dog was on that offensive line. 
I have a feeling we're going to stay right there because I want to talk to you about when you look across the NFL and we're talking about dogs, right? Specifically on the offensive line, who do you identify maybe one, two, three guys that play that position that you watch and you go, man, that's a dog. Like you enjoy watching him on the line and you know, he's out there fighting for his guys. Man, as of right now, I'm a big fan of Zach Martin. Um, I think Zach Martin is, you talk about a guy, it's impossible to play a perfect game. He gets close a lot. I mean, you talk about a guy when he's pulling to the flat, you don't know how he's going to make this block, and boom, he'll spring a guy. Or, he, or he'll knuckle up a lot of times with one-on-one with a big-time defensive tackle. I got a lot of respect for his game. I was, believe it or not, I was a huge – I know he's retired right now and he's out the game. But a side note, uh, Marshall Yonder was uh, – I loved watching him flat out. Like, he he gave me goosebumps. He was all, he was offensive lineman porn. He really was. He was great. Um, but it, to stick on – Onto the field, uh, Trey Turner. I like Trey Turner. I like his game a lot. I think he's smooth. I think he's gritty. Um, and, and you know, and obviously it's hard. It's hard because I think there's is so many guys. But I'm. I, I said this on my own podcast, man. You know, the Pouncey brothers, both of them. I mean, you talk about people who you know. If God don't, you know, everybody doesn't know they're calling. They knew their calling since they've been in Pampers. Them boys was built <laughs> and birthed to play some damn football, and they do it at a very high level, and I have a lot of respect for both of them. So um, those are my guys who I, I pay attention to when I when I get a chance to see them. There's a host of other guys, but those are the guys that pop in my head right now. Jamie, hit him with some New York stuff. Jamie's yeah, from say, New York. Never, I'm going to let Jamie hit yeah, you with the New York stuff. I said, we know you're New York through and through, ended your career with the Jets, Hofstra guy. Uh, what do you think of the state of New York football right now? Because it's not – in the greatest spot that it could be, but there is some hope. Um, well, I think if you're talking about the Jets, I think it is, there is a lot of hope. I think, I think Joe Douglas has done a great job in really cleaning house. I think that pretty much nobody's left from the time I was with the Jets. Um, I like the fact that Joe Douglas has pretty much picked up Beckton. I think it, it was a need that should have been addressed when the Brookshaw Ferguson left. They should have went ahead and, get, and jumped in on the office alignment right away, but they didn't. Um, and then you lose a key guy like Jamal Adams. And I think what happened with Jamal Adams, and, I, and I've said this multiple times, that, you know, I think Jamal Adams came into a situation where, yes, did he outplay his contract? Sure. Two times, you know, pro bowler early, had done an amazing job, impact leader. But I think it's a question I think a lot of good players come um, to deal with is you have to realize there's the most important player on the team, there's the most impactful player on the team. Jamal Adams is clearly the most impactful player, but he wasn't the most important. You talk about Sam Ad Sam Darnold, who they haven't paid yet, who the Jets haven't had a quarterback in a long time. You know what I mean? So when it comes down to the business side of it, if, if Jamal Adams wanted to be signed, he was going to have to take less. You know what I mean? He was going to have to deal with it now. Um, and I don't think he was willing to do that. I think he wanted the full market value because he was balling out, rightfully so. But he has to understand this is a business. And the Jets have so many needs and so many holes to fill that Joe Douglas couldn't hand this man $20 million a year. It just, he just couldn't do it. It would be dumb. He would have got dragged through the coals in New York because he's looking at offensive line that's still rebuilding, even though he's picked that he, they let go of Brian Winters and, and Quincy Anua, two key pieces back in the old days, uh, not old days, but who were part of the Jets uh, organization. Um, they don't have a number one. They lost Robbie Anderson to Carolina. They got to figure that out. You're talking about Le'Veon Bell. They got to get him more entrenched into the offense. They have a good tight end in Chris Herndon, but right now he's still coming along himself. And the thing about Adam Gates in itself is 
he was there to be the quarterback whisperer for Sam Darnold. Bottom line. He wasn't there to not only win – he's there to win games, but he's there to build Sam Darnold up. And Sam Darnold can't grow unless he has an office line that can protect him, and he has some pieces on the outside that he can throw the ball to flat out. Now, from the defensive side, I think the defense is strictly under uh, – really underrated. That jet defense can hum a little bit. If C.J. Mosley's healthy – and they can get another guy on the opposite side of them to get after the quarterback as well. But their interior, they got some young pieces on the outside. Dead linebacking core is still building. Um, and then they got Marcus May. If he can stay healthy, can be a big-time safety in the league. But if he can stay healthy. So I think the team is coming along. They're figuring it way. I think Joe Douglas needed the time to kind of clean house a little bit, make some moves for the future. They have a lot of money. Um, and so they, they're going to figure it out. But I trust Joe. I like what Joe has done so far. He's been quiet. He's not a man that's sitting in front of the, the mic and said a lot of reckless things or kind of said things that mislead the Jet, uh, the Jets uh, nation. Uh, but I think he's been on point and accurate about the moves he's made. So we'll see. But as far as the Giants, I think, you know, as long as you got Saquon, Daniel Jones is, going, is bigger. I think what he's put on 30 more pounds of muscle, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Big, yeah. big SOB. Um, but they're still figuring themselves out along the way. I think they got to get better on defense. They know that. But I think if, you know, what team is – look promising without being biased it, to me it, it, i'm gonna say the uh, jets i do i think they just know what they want i think they're going about it in a smart way um but they need a couple more years to kind of get especially with the the recent additions of those first round picks i think they're going to get some guys that can really make that team go my last one here so two people you know a lot about one obviously bruce arians being that he was your wide receiver coach for a little bit then offensive coordinator in your time in pittsburgh and then a guy that you matched up against quite a bit, and that's Tom Brady. They're now together down in Tampa, a, traditionally a team slash organization that we're not hearing and talking a lot about in August heading into the season, whereas this time around with the addition of Tom, uh, Bruce being there, lots of expectations. Knowing both of them in the way that you do as a competitor and as a, as, as a guy who coached you, what do you expect from this organization? Because – everybody's looking at this team and they're going, okay, there's, there's the, the part of, of the fan base that is saying, okay, Tom's washed. He, he, his arm went last year. And then there's the other part that's looking at this going, he's lost nothing. He's got better weapons than ever before. And he's with the quarterback whisperer. Where do you land on, on that kind of spectrum? Well, I, I've been fortunate. My co-host on my football podcast, Going Deep, Stephen Che, is, is a big Bucks fan. He, he loves <laughs> Bruce and, and, and Jason Light. He's very familiar with the whole front office. Um, and we've had Ryan Jensen, their starting center, on the podcast. Um, and we even talked to Tristan Wirfs. At the time, he wasn't a Buck, but he ended up going to the Bucks. So just from their feeling and, and talking to the guys in the locker room, to, to me, that's what matters. Fans don't know really no shit. They just only – they study tape and they think they're gurus. But the guys who put on the helmets really know more, you would like to assume, and I, I like to think that. Um, my my feel on and how they talk about Tom is a guy who seems to be extra motivated, who seems to know what he wants. He, I think he likes the fact that he's dealing with a B.A., a guy who's not going to get in his way, but also going to be by his side. And I think it's a difference, right? You don't want to – and I think he respects Byron Lefferts. I think he respects that organization as a whole. But I, from getting a sense, uh, from talking to Ryan Jensen at center, he seems like a guy who, at this point in his career, can finally let it rip, right? I think the expectations from being a Pat and the winning six Super Bowls is great because I think he's, he's earned that. But now I think from the sense I get, now, now Tom's playing for himself. You know what I mean? Now he's, he's in a position where 
He's down in Florida. It's sunny. He's playing with a young group of guys who are honestly looking to him for that type of leadership energy. And Thomas is going to be Tom. And let's be honest. You talk about Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, Shady McCoy. Tom, Tom got the keys to Lambo. All you got to do is drive it in that, in that crap. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? So for him, he's like, what do I have to complain about? You can't talk about my resume. You can't look for me for, you, can't, you know, Super Bowls are done. Now I want to get back to playing Sandlot Town, where I'm just go back there and play football and let it rip. And I think he's with the best, one of the best head coaches in all of football in B.A. Because what B.A. does, and for my time, he just wants you to play football. Let him do the thinking. Go play football. He's going he's gonna to get you where you need to be. And I think Tom knows that. I think Tom's going to have a hell of a year this year. So I got to follow up with that because one thing is pissing me off of the national media, and I usually got to stay quiet on this because I get too homerish, right? Um, Tom's what he did in New England and B.A.'s let's throw it down the field. Right. And the assumption that Tom doesn't fit B.A.'s offense. You played for him. If Ben had no arm and had to play left-handed, is right. he going to call the same plays? No, he's going to call what the damn quarterback can do. The best part about this is the collaboration between the two. But please tell these morons from somebody that played with him how ridiculous all these statements are. Yeah, it's, it's pretty dumb. because that, that doesn't even – first of all, that's not even a, a B.A. thing. That's an O.C. thing. You're going to fit the scheme to your best player, right? You're going to, you're going to do things that's going to help your best player execute at a high level. Tom has the arm strength. If we understand in Belichick's offense – there's a reason why he doesn't have a, a, a Michael Thomas. I mean, not a Michael Thomas, like a Julio Jones or a deep threat. Like, he, yes, he had a Randy Moss, but most of the receivers he has are guys who catch the ball and they do well after the catch, right? That's his offense. Tom understands, and I think B.A. understands, Tom, wherever you at, we're going to make it sexy. You just got to execute on your end. B.A. is going to fit the needs of Tom Brady. He's going to fit the needs of a, of a battered but young and healthy, motivated Rob Gronkowski. He's going to motivate a LaShawn McCoy. He's going to make it work. The fact that there's this mindset that Tom, one, doesn't have the arm strength is dumb, right? This is yes. Two. Um, two, the fact that he doesn't fit in B.A. system is dumb because, listen, if you're a chef in the kitchen, you're not going to make the best dish that you like for yourself. You're going to feed the people, right? You're going to, make, you're going to do what's to make the people happy. So whatever make Tom happy, that's what's going to happen because that's the respect, and that's, only, that's the only way to operate going forward for any player who you know can help you win a Super Bowl. Bottom Preach. Line. I, I want to put my arms we're steal up that and phrase. just say, yeah, we're gonna I was going to say, that going like, forward. I love like, that. We're, like we were out of church, because I, I, I know you played with BA because you said, wherever you're at, let's make it sexy. And I swear to God, I could hear that coming out of his mouth. <laughs> like, I, like, I heard it come out, it cut out of your mouth, and I go, yeah, that sounds like something Bruce said, or would say. Like, That's it's, my guy, man. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's the best, obviously. Uh, uh, we're a proponent of him on this podcast, but – Willie, I just want to say thanks for joining us. Oh, thank um, you. Please tell everybody how they can follow you and listen to your show. Uh, I'm on Barstool Breakfast from 8 to 10 on Sirius XM Channel 85. You can check out my one podcast, Society and Culture, which is called Two Bigs, uh, with my co-host Brandon Newman. He used to play for Notre Dame. Uh, me and him talk everything underneath the sun for the culture. And uh, my football podcast is going deep with Stephen Che, who – absolutely idolizes uh, Jake's dad and everybody <laughs> in the Buccaneer organization. Big time Bucks fan, but he knows football. He does a great job. So uh, check that out. Now you can look yeah. find out anywhere you listen to a podcast. 
Yeah, you guys got to check out their stuff. I'm uh, I'm a big Stephen Shea fan. I love Stephen. He's a great dude. So he's uh, the the respect is mutual across the way, and we'll I, I I make sure to keep him just super engaged on Buccaneer stuff. He's always hyped. He's number oh, one hype squad. That's for sure. Man, he is a cheerleader and an egg roll. Thank you, Willie, for joining us. Thanks, bro. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.